That video is so enthralling. Sometimes you just get lost in it and forget you're up next. <laughs> Our speaker this morning is my friend, the Reverend Dr. Mike Quinlan. And I'm so glad to have a chance to introduce him today. If you've been here a long time, you know that uh, Mike and his family have been members of our church for a good long time. He grew up here, he served on our church staff, and now he and his family are serving in Indonesia, uh, where Mike is a visiting professor at the Indonesian Consortium for Interreligious Studies. Did I say that correctly? Something like that. <laughs> in partnership with Baylor University. And I'm so excited that he's gonna come and to help us to close out our series on the Holy Spirit in the book of Galatians. So join me in welcoming Dr. Mike Quinlan. Thanks, Henry. Good morning, Valley Ranch. In Indonesia, it's very common that uh, before a pastor starts his sermon, he makes you say good morning like three times. So I'm going to do it two more times. Good morning, Valley Ranch. Good morning. Good morning. I used to think that was to wake up the congregation to get them ready for the sermon, but really it's just to wake us up. Um, it's good to be back here at Valley Ranch. It's good to be back to what I consider my church home. I look out and I see a bunch of old faces. <laughs> faces that get older each time I'm back. Maybe a little more wrinkles, maybe a little more gray hair, maybe a little less gray hair. That is except for John. John, I don't think, has aged a day since I've met him. And you may not know his secret, but every Sunday after the lights are down, after everyone's gone home, he dons a choir robe, goes up into the baptistry, <laughs> sleeps in the water of renewed life, until next Sunday. <laughs> it's also good to look out and see many new faces, new faces that I haven't yet met. And so for those of you I haven't yet met, hi, I'm Mike, nice to meet you. I hope you can shake my hand at the end of the service and get to know you. I can't promise you I'll remember your name, uh, but I will remember your face and I will be blessed to know that you are here and that you are being filled. When I look out at these people in these pews, I look out at, somebody asked me yesterday, is this gonna be a crying sermon? And I said, no. But when I look out and I see your faces, I look out and I see so many people who have ministered to me, ministered to my family, and in turn allowed us to minister to your students and your youth. And so we thank you for that. This truly is our church home. I met my wife, Brooke, here, back before Grow Groups. It was called ABF, if that dates me a little bit. It was on this stage that my children, True and Paisley, were dedicated. It was at this prayer rail that I was ordained. And it was through those doors that, well, some might say we were sent. I say we were kicked out. Uh, <laughs> They wanted me as far away from them as possible, so they sent us to the other side of the world. I kid. Now, the last time I was back here in Texas, 
I needed a SIM card. I was only here for a few weeks, but I needed to have access to the internet, and so I went to Walmart, as you do, to get a SIM card and a phone planned. But we've been gone for nine years, and so it's difficult to know what phone companies are what, and so I was asking lots of questions, and the girl behind the counter, she said, you must not be from around here. <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I, I am from Kapel, but I live in Indonesia. She said, oh, okay. But something about the way she said, oh, okay, made me realize she doesn't know anything about Indonesia. And so I said, hey, have you even heard of Indonesia? She said, nope. I said, well, what about Bali? Surely you've heard of Bali. Nope, not even Bali. And so I'm gonna give you one more opportunity to pull out your phones. If any time you're bored in the service or now you wanna Google Indonesia, feel free. The, the reality is most of us don't know. Most Americans don't know much about Indonesia. But in 2014, my wife, our kids, and I were sent to serve in Indonesia. And in, in Indonesia, we work with students and ministers. We work with schools and churches and universities. And we love the work we do. We live in a country that is the fourth most populous country in the world. It's the world's largest Muslim-majority nation. There's more Muslims in Indonesia than there are in the Middle East and it's a nation with 17,000 plus islands. One of them which is Bali, the mecca of Instagram influencers, but we live, we live on the island of Java where coffee gets its nickname. And so we'd love for you to stay after the service, shake our hand, get to know more about what we do, and if you're hungry for dessert, stay after lunch and listen to our presentation to get to know more about how you can get involved in what God is doing on the other side of the world. All right, coming to the important stuff. For the last month, you've been looking at the Holy Spirit, and you've been studying, for the most part, Galatians 5 and 6. Tonight, today, we're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 to 10, and you have it on your scripture sheets, but if you want to go ahead and prepare your Bibles or your Bible apps, please do so. But before we turn to this passage, let us pray. Holy Spirit, fall on this place. Fill this place with your glory. Fill us till we're overflowing. Teach us and remind us comfort and strengthen us. Speak to us this day. Amen. Once again, we're going to be at Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. May God bless the reading of his word. 
I once preached a sermon on the island of Sumba in Indonesia. There, the people are known for their temper. The sermon I chose for that day was on the topic of anger. The sermon was okay, but the man translating for me kept mistranslating. And there I was, in the middle of the sermon about anger, growing more and more angry. So at the end, I thought all was lost. I thought the sermon was a failure. I thought that perhaps the people wouldn't understand, but we went into the back room, met with the pastor and the deacons, and everyone thanked me. I said, it's so great because you, as an outsider, you can come in and you can speak strongly to these people, and they will hear it, and they will receive it. Now here at Valley Ranch, I'm both an insider and that I know you, I know the surrounding culture, but I'm outsider enough that I can drop in on, what is this, June 25th, I can speak this harsh sermon, and then I can leave. (laughs) I don't have to worry about seeing you next week like John or Amy, even though I'll actually be here next week, so if you have your complaints, you can send them to me next week. But the benefit of a guest speaker is we can come in, we can preach harshly, and we can walk away. But I'm both insider and outsider. I'm going to be a little harsh maybe at the beginning, but I promise you I will soften up by the end. Let us go. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Our passage for today starts with several statements or proverbs. The first doesn't initially seem to fit, but what Paul is doing here is he's setting the stage. I like the New Living Translation, which says here, you cannot mock the justice of God. God is our judge. Think about what that means. In the last nine years, we've had a few famous court cases in Indonesia. One of the early ones during our time there was about two women. These two women, they went to the coffee shop to enjoy coffee together. When one of the women got up to go to the bathroom, the other woman put cyanide in her coffee. Another of the important trials over the last nine years was of the Christian Chinese governor of Jakarta, a double minority. He was charged with and then convicted of blasphemy against Islam. From my childhood here in America, I can remember the famous Chase, the white Bronco, the O.J. Simpson trial. Most of you probably don't know this, but um, there was a man named O.J. Simpson. He was a bad actor, but a good football player. And he may or may not have done some things. But nobody can forget the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial from last year. I'm sorry, I live overseas, my illustrations are dated. But this trial made its way all the way to Indonesian news. Every day we'd get the updates and every day on social media we would get all the fresh memes. Now throughout the trial there was, of course, evidence presented. The lawyers made their cases, they They set their traps and they argued for their clients' innocence. There were a few gotcha moments. The the witnesses gave their testimonies and they shared 
what they understood was the truth. And in the case of every earthly courtroom, there is this hope that the judge or maybe the jury will hear the evidence, they will determine what is true, and that they will rule impartially. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. But that's not the case with God as our judge. We can't trick the judge. We can't game the system. We're not gonna get off on a technicality. Our high-priced lawyer isn't going to convince God to ignore the facts. The truth is, he knows what is fact and fiction. He sees right through the lies, and he knows the truth. And the reality is, we, presented with God, we can't handle the truth. With God as our judge, I can only imagine a very different end to the Amber Heard-Johnny Depp trial. The trial is over and he looks at Amber and he says, Amber, you're guilty. On this side of the courtroom, Johnny Depp and his lawyer start to elbow each other in delight. They're happy because they've won, but no. God says, Johnny, you're also guilty. His lawyers start to object and he says, you're guilty too. There's murmuring in the courtroom. God as judge looks out at all in attendance. And he says, you are guilty. We are guilty. A man reaps what he sows. If you haven't already, Google Sumba, S-U-M-B-A, and look at the images. The island is beautiful. It has rich cultural traditions, unique architecture, and it's one of the few Christian-majority islands in Indonesia. The island is underdeveloped, and most people live in very simple bamboo houses with grass roofs. They grow their own vegetables, they fish, they hunt, or they raise livestock. One Sunday after I preached at a small village in Sumba, the pastor came to the front to collect the offering. Now when I was a kid, we passed around this collection plate. You probably don't remember that, but some of you do. Now we just scan a QR code. We give online. Maybe some of us old-timers, we still mail in a check. Now, at this church, the offering was very, very different. The pastor walked up to the stage at the end of the service, and instead of asking for money, because most of these people didn't have money, they made five or six dollars a month, she said, this is what we need for the next week's activities. I need somebody to donate dry bamboo. Not wet bamboo, it's gotta be dry bamboo. I need three chickens. Brother John, can you give me three chickens this week? I need a pig. Anyone got a pig? I need a sack of rice, and so on, and so on. 
At the end of the service, they asked me to speak again, and they asked me, why did I choose to come to this island out of all the 17,000 islands? And I told them I loved their island because of how much I learned from them. I learned from them because they are so close to the land and the way they read the Bible and the way they read the stories of these simple farmers and fishermen and shepherds of the Bible seems really close to the way that Jesus must have understood them and his disciples must have understood him. And so when I go to this place, I learn from them. Now when I came to Capel, and this is again an old illustration and I'm sorry, I still remember that most of Capel was farms. Some of you might remember this. It wasn't all subdivisions. There was lots of farms, and we even had a police truck jeep that was, I was really in, uh, interested in. But nowadays, like it or not, we're all a bunch of city folk. And as city folk, we may not know much about the land, and so we can learn from people like our friends in Sumba. But we don't need to be that close to the land to know that what we sow is what we're going to reap. You can't go out at the end of summer and take all the watermelon seeds that you've uh, collected, put them in the ground, and expect pumpkins for November. We reap what we sow. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You might be sitting there thinking, I've gotten away with it. Nobody knows. But God knows. Don't think you fooled God. You may have fooled your spouse, you may have fooled your kids, your parents. You may have fooled your boss, but you cannot fool God. And whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. We've got to keep this PG. I've got little nephews here. But for some of you, this verse is going to hit home in a very literal sense. Now for others, you might be thinking, that's not me. I can just tune out for the rest of the sermon. And instead of me thinking the sermon is for me, I'm going to spend time thinking, oh, this, this is something Billy Bob needs to hear, or Patty Sue. I can't wait till this sermon is over and I can get the link and share it with my friends who are pleasing their flesh. We hear this verse, and for most of us, our minds go straight to lust. But instead, perhaps we should fill in the blank with whatever worldly sin captivates us. For some of us, we might need to fill in that blank with pride or laziness, envy, greed. But maybe it's not always the things from within that we're trying to please. But maybe it's sometimes the things from without. Another way of thinking about this verse is instead of inserting flesh, we read it as culture. Are we sowing to please our culture? Are we sowing to please 
the world. I can't speak for every culture in this room. But I can speak as somebody who grew up in this town. Our culture is destructive. Our ideas of success are skewed. Oftentimes the things that we value are things of this earth. We work for, we invest in, we sow our blood, our sweat, and our tears into things that in the end don't really matter. I've heard testimony and testimony of people in this congregation who feel trapped in the lifestyle that the world wants us to live. It's a lifestyle that once you're in, it's hard to get out. This culture has broken men and women. It's harmed our children. It's torn apart our marriages. And it's ended lives far too soon. Are you sowing to please this culture? Are you living to please the friends around you? Are you buying things simply to one-up your neighbors? If so, don't be surprised at the harvest that you are reaping. God cannot be mocked. He knows the truth, and that's why this message is sobering. But it's also a message of hope. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Friends, the reality is that we are stuck for now in this world. But Jesus says we are not of this world. We are flesh, but we are filled with the Holy Spirit. And as such, we are called to leave these worldly things behind and store up our treasures in heaven. Now, some of you might remember when we had a Minyard's grocery store here. It seems like all of our grocery stores turn into fitness centers. (laughs) But there used to be a Minyard's grocery store here. Uh, where Texas Family Fitness is, not just in Old Town Coppell. And I remember at every checkout counter, there was the Farmer's Almanac. Now, the Almanac, if you open it up, it had a list of weather predictions and forecasts for the year. It had things like uh, the meteor shower dates and when the eclipses would be, some funny stories. But it also had a planting calendar. And this planting calendar, it told you things like when to plant certain vegetables, when to plant certain fruits. If you wanted to plant this thing, you would plant it in between these dates in the spring and these dates in the fall. If we think of the Bible as a farmer's almanac, 
it would be telling you the time to start sowing seeds to please the Spirit is now. Right now. Not Monday morning. Not next week. Not when you get past this season in your life. The time to sow seeds to please the Spirit is right now. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Last year, we organized a conference for church leaders. And Meta, one of the young adults who uh, you probably often hear about if you get our uh, updates and you'll hear about later, she ministers alongside us and she led a session on ministry burnout. Now, whether you're leading Sunday school or having high schoolers in your home, preaching sermons, the reality is oftentimes we, we labor alone and we do get burnt out. It's normal. We wanted to give that news to these pastors to say, it's okay, it's okay to feel stress, it's okay to get burnt out, but don't work and don't do it alone. Now, the lady leading worship after the session, she must not have been paying attention to the session because... The, the hymn that followed was, Don't Grow Weary Working in the Fields of the Lord. Now again, to return to my friends in Indonesia, to their closeness of the land. They may help us to understand this passage a little better. The reality is they don't have million-dollar John Deere tractors that can till the land and at the same time plant. To sow for the rice season, it's a month of daily preparation. It's a month of planting. It's a month of tending to the fields and a month of harvesting only to start the process all over again. In one village I visited, I learned that the chief sin of their traditional religion was laziness. If you're lazy to plant, the harvest will be less and you will burden the entire tribe. In the last couple of years, I've had some health scares. I lost my dad to a heart attack in 2021. From a worldly perspective, I'm doing everything I can to live longer. I'm eating differently, taking a handful of vitamins each day. I've done blood tests and scans, seen doctor after doctor. I just want someone to tell me what I can do to live longer so I can be there for my children as they grow up. The word from the last doctor, you're going to die. Your kids are going to die. Everyone's going to die. Friends, we are going to die. Now, many of us in the room have probably done everything that Dave Ramsey has told us to do. We've invested, we've spent our money wisely, we have this retirement fund, and we're ready to retire, or maybe we're already retired, but we're going to die. Have we thought about our eternal investment? The good news is that even though God is telling us in this passage that we reap what we sow, we don't get half of what we deserve. Because even though God is our judge, he is also gracious and merciful. And while we may suffer for sins 
here on this earth, in the end, he looks right past our guilt to the innocence of Christ. We reap an eternal investment that Jesus has sowed for us. Therefore, daily, we should plant. We should plant with thanksgiving, sowing in the spirit, not in the world, as our sign of faith and our trust in him. We sow the har- this harvest of eternal life by investing in the good today, each and every day, for everyone, and especially for those within the family of believers. And the good news is also that we don't sow alone. Not only do we have to do the work, but there are other believers working alongside us. And the Holy Spirit is the undercover boss in the fields, shoulder to shoulder, working with us. Now before we finish this series, I want to summarize the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts. He turns us from our sin and towards God. He teaches and reminds. He intercedes and he guides. He renews, restores, and he sanctifies. He comforts and strengthens. He gifts and enables. He rewards. He gives life, and that life is eternal. I close with one more story from the harvest. And this story begins with a VRBC member. This person and their business partners, they wanted to do good. They wanted to sow seeds which pleased the Spirit. And so they took a portion of their income and they put it into the hands of God, knowing that in him, putting their trust in him would result in multiplication and an abundance of their gifts. As part of their faithfulness, they offered funding to our ministry, specifically to provide roofing and solar lighting to churches in some of the poorest villages in Indonesia. Cost savings on account of pandemic surpluses meant that their gifts were multiplied and able to serve more churches. And out of this abundance, my family and our team were able to go to a new island and further into the jungles than we've ever been. For me, however, the week of installations was cut short. On day one, I took ill with a tropical fever. On day two, Brooke stepped on a rusty nail And that meant we had to leave the villages, find a city, find a hospital, and find a tetanus shot. While our flesh had failed, the spirit continued to go before our team. Our team who was busy traversing mountain roads and crossing flooded rivers onto the next villages. By the end of the week, we were all, as we say in Indonesian, setengamati, which means half dead. The remoteness of one of the villages meant that communication was impossible and return was also unlikely on account of a landslide that washed away the road a few weeks after we left. We may never have known 
if the seeds we planted would take root or bear any fruit. But a month ago, we received news from one of the churches. The church is the only building with light in the village. In the last year, the congregation has doubled in size. The pastor is leading a reading program for kids in the evening. And this is what I think is the coolest part. The pastor, she had adopted a boy. This boy was stunted due to malnutrition and bullied by other village kids. Like many other children in the area, there wasn't much of a push to go to school because everyone was just going to end up a simple farmer. Why do you need a formal education? But things changed when our team arrived to install the solar panels and to lead ministry for the children and the youth of that church. The boy saw young people who were leading in ministry, people like him. They were leading in ministry and they were gifted and skilled in a trade. The pastor told us that her son was encouraged and inspired and something in him changed that day. The light provided allowed him to come to church at night and study for school and eventually the national exams. He finished high school and he's now studying at a Bible college to become a pastor where he will carry this message of eternal life back to his village and beyond. Friends, today is the day to start planting seeds like this. I told you about that pastor who came to the church and asked for an offering. I want you to imagine right now that the Holy Spirit is standing here and he's asking for a similar offering. He wants you to sow seeds to please him. Seeds that may not reap an eternal life for you because Jesus has already saved us, but seeds that will carry the message to others, to your children, to your neighbors, to your coworkers, to people on the other side of the world. And so I want you to imagine the Holy Spirit is here and he's saying, I need, I need some of you to open your wallets. I need some others of you to open your homes. I need some of you to open your hearts. I need some of you to open your pantries. And I need some of you to open your calendars, to make room for me. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, come. Fall on us. Open our minds and our hearts. Open our souls so that we might receive you. Amen.